you know that Ron Howard is involved in this? He's one of the executive producers. Brian Grazer? I saw Brian Grazer's name in there. In my head, there was a phone call that went like this, and it was Ron Howard calling Tom Hanks to be like, Tom, I got to pitch you this thing. And Tom was like, I want no part of this. This is not a Playtone production. Rita says no. I'm walking, Ron. You're on your own. And Tom Hanks, as always, made the right decision. <laughs> Before I even say our names, I'm going to say I'm trash because I loved every second of this documentary. I know everybody in my life that I love and respect hated this and I loved all four. I kept waiting to hate it. It never happened. It ne I loved every second of it. So my goal by the end of this is to bring you to my side because I hated it. <laughs> I think it's like irresponsible. I think Netflix should be like held to task for it. Like, let's go. We're on uh -huh. opposite sides of this one big time. We are. It makes for great podcasting, people. <laughs> Hi, Julian so. Pensavalli. Hey, Magic Hines. <laughs> you guys, if you want more of this nonsense, join us on the Patreon. 45,000 people can't be wrong, you guys. <laughs> well, no, we love every last one of them. They are perfect. They're our best yeah. friends. We love them. And that's where we do all the long form stuff. Like, we could have done this, really, but we're doing it on the regular it's feed. True. But all the, you know, making a murderer, the jinx, the staircase, uh, don't F with cats, Lorena, all that good stuff. Like, Night Stalker, you guys, Night Stalker comes up in this documentary. If you want more of that, go listen to our coverage. We were obsessed with the documentary. Yeah. You can also get ad free versions of these episodes we've got after parties where we hang out we give you advice against the advice of my husband <laughs> look there's some advice we're not going to take and the advice that we're not going to take is steve telling us not to give advice <laughs> also join our facebook group you guys it's the true crime obsessed podcast discussion group get in there make your new true crime best friends talk about the episodes share your dog memes yeah you know, it's a place where you just get to go and and let your freak flag fly on the internet as they say yeah like you can say bear's gonna bear or steve i've been duped and they'll know exactly what you mean right. It's fun. <laughs> All right, girl. Well, look, I'm going to take this. Take I'm going to take the what are we talking about today. We are talking about, for some reason, this thing is called Crime Scene, colon, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. I feel like, is Netflix trying to make Crime Scene, like, a thing? Like, they're going to cover another thing on, like, another season? Well, this is like four things in one. They clearly don't know what they yeah. were set out to do. Is it about the Cecil? Is it about Elisa Lamb? Is it about Skid Row in LA? Is it about web sleuths? They have no idea what they're doing. Look, before we get into this, let's just say we are doing this in two parts. This is a four-part documentary. Part one you're listening to right now. It covers episodes one and two. Part two is available right now in ad-free at the $5 level on Patreon. So it's where we wrap it up. We do the, the second two episodes of this series. It'll also be the regular episode next week. Mm -hmm. You can go get the rest of our coverage right now if you want it. And I I gotta tell you, you guys, the, one of the things I love about this documentary is that it ends with an answer. It ends with oh, yeah. like the definitive answer of how, of what happened to Elisa Lamb, which I was not expecting. What do you think people imagine when they picture the Cecil Hotel? Is there a room here that maybe somebody hasn't died in? I never got used to that. Never got used to that. Throughout its history, the Hotel Cecil has always had a dark persona. People call it Hotel Death. This was a place where serial killers let their hair down. A hotel with a notorious past is the site of another bizarre case. Elisa Lamb from Vancouver, Canada is missing. The last footage that we have of her was inside the elevator. That's where the case starts to go askew. She kept looking outside the door. Why is the elevator not going anywhere? Is someone keeping her here? Her hand movements are very strange and erratic. Like she's conjuring a spirit. It makes people wonder, is there something evil going on here? It just blew up. In the Web Sleuth community, it created this feeding frenzy. If it's a murder, then you need a murderer. You really don't have the full story. She was running around trying to save her own life. Bad things keep happening here over and over again. This hotel was hiding something. I would have never thought what was about to happen could happen. 
we get a 45 minute coming up on I was duped. Okay, Steve, Steve, I was duped. I took notes on all of it. I, get, I was like, this coming up on goes on I know. forever. But eventually we land in Vancouver, Canada, 2012, and we are meeting Elisa Lamb at home. This reminded me a lot of the Adnan Syed documentary totally. where we got Heyman Lee's diary, and I kind of love that they did this. Mm-hmm. A big part of this documentary is the fact that Elisa Lamb blogged on Tumblr. Bless the internet. The internet doesn't really have consequences, at least on Tumblr, I hope. It makes more sense to write candidly here than a journal. Also, this is way cheaper than paying for a therapist. Also, I get intense satisfaction when I click publish. Do you know what the fuck Tumblr is? Uh, yes, Grandpa. I'm aware of the Tumblr. What, what is Tumblr? It's a website. No, it was like you can reblog stuff and it was sort of like a journal, but it then be, it became a little bit bigger where you can like repost things. But I think there were people who used it just as a blog or a diary and that's what Elisa Lam did. Yeah, so the only way we ever get to really hear from Elisa Lam in this documentary is like through her posts on Tumblr and we sort of get that throughout. And it's, and it's a voiceover artist reading it. So it's a, we don't have actual audio of Elisa Lam. And it's, you know, basically her planning this trip to California. Like, she's 21 years old. You know, she's got overprotective parents. She wants to get out on her own. She's stressed out about college. She's always wanted to go to California, and she's planning this trip where she's going to go to San Diego, L.A., Santa Cruz, and San Francisco, and she's traveling by herself, which is, like, brave, and it sounds kind of awesome, and I'm in love with her from the beginning. Yeah, she's a really great writer. It's very conversational. You do feel like, oh, I I can really get a sense of this person. You don't know her We'll get to that in a minute, Web Sleuths. But she says, like, you know, like, damn it, people. We're just trying to figure things out. And she finally gets to L.A. and she goes, Have arrived in La La Land. And the rest is to be written. And then it's like, jump cut to February 1st, 2013. Like, all of a sudden, we're, like, at the fact that she's missing. Elisa Lamb from Vancouver, Canada, is missing. She was traveling by herself, spent a few days in San Diego, and then came to Los Angeles on the 28th of January. January 31st was the last time her family in Canada had heard from her. At first you think this is not going to be dragged out for four episodes because we're kind of moving. But no, Netflix, no. (laughs) You guys, once again, I really like this documentary. (laughs) I'll I'll stop interjecting my hatred and just focus on the story. Again, Tom Hanks, call me. You make great decisions. Thanks for not being a part of this. So this is February 1st that we're getting all this news footage. So we learned that January 31st was the last time her family in Canada had heard from her. And like not checking in seems like it's something that's very unlike her. So everyone is really worried. Yeah, because she checked in every single day. And the, the minute she didn't, they knew that something was wrong. Now we meet a guy. He's with us the whole time. This guy, Lieutenant Tim Marsha, LAPD homicide. And I just said, oh, girl, it could not have been easy growing up with the last name Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> I just call this guy Marsha throughout. And then I imagine it's Marsha P. Johnson and she's on the case. And and then I'm like, well, where is that like fiction series where Marsha P. Johnson's an, an investigator who solves crimes? Like, Ooh. we need that. Oh, we super need that. There, that There's like yeah. a, a cool like graphic novel in there, I think. Totally. <laughs> so this guy, Marsha, gets the case. One morning, we were told that we had picked up a missing person's case. She was a young female from Canada traveling throughout California by herself, and there was a sense of panic. So there was probably about 18 detectives uh, from Robbery Homicide Division uh, that responded. The cops are like seem really invested in this case, like right from the beginning. Yeah, there's this one detective named Greg. He thinks he's Eddie Vedder. He's not Eddie Vedder, but he acts like he thinks he's like in Pearl Jam, and he's not. He sits like Eddie Vedder. Yeah. You're right. There's one Eddie Vedder. His name's Eddie Vedder. He's perfect. Don't don't do that. Don't do that, Greg. <laughs> That's really funny. So everyone is saying, like, so what are the possibilities? They're like, either she, like, left on purpose and doesn't want to be found. They posit that maybe she's just, like, lost in L.A. somewhere. Wrong again. (laughs) I was like, are you saying she, like, is just a, quote, dumb girl who, like, went out for a walk and couldn't find her way home? Yeah. Small brain, weak arms, just couldn't hang. Like, come on. And then the third option is... Or could it be something worse than that? Where she was a victim of some type of accident or some type of crime. And so the family tells the cops that Elisa was last seen at the Cecil. And everyone's like, oh, that's not going to be good. Bum, bum, bum. 
And we learn a little bit about the Cecil here, which is that, like, you know, rooms were $85 a night. Most guests were international. And, like, the detectives just know, and we'll get, obviously, way into it. But they're like, this is not a good, this is not good. And so mm-hmm. the detectives, like, essentially kick the door down. 20 cops, like, descend onto the Cecil. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, shit. There's, like, a special phone when it's like, fuck, it's the Cecil phone. Like, yeah. bring, bring, or whatever. Some of the horrible noises that the Cecil phone made. Just some wailing banshee when it's something went down at the Cecil. It's not a real phone ring. But now we meet Amy Price. She was the general manager of the Cecil from 2007 to 2017. And I gotta say, I think Amy Price is what got most people through the tail end of quarantine. Like, there was a minute that she was the most talked about person on the internet. I was the general manager of the Cecil Hotel from 2007 to 2017. So 10 years. It was like my kingdom. (laughs) It was a kingdom, you know? I've also called it a zoo. (laughs) You just never knew what was going to happen at any given day. Oh, Amy, I just... Amy, how do I how do I say that? Amy is so inconsistent. You know, I'm going to say, look, I think Amy had a... I worked in hotels for six years. I've said this before. I love hotels. Working at a hotel really was one of the most bizarre experiences of my life. You can't explain how weird it is to work in a place where people sleep. Like, yeah, that's just a weird sure. thing. You know what I mean? And so, like, Amy, you know, I think uh-huh. Amy is a little bit mostly here to defend the honor of the Cecil more than she is to, like, sort of help us understand what happened to this poor young girl. Right. And so Amy is a little bit not super self-aware at all times and, like, says things. Like, she has really interesting thoughts, but then says them in the worst, least self-aware way, like, throughout. Yeah, you said you said to me that she only knows how to say things the wrong way. Yeah. I'm a little bit nervous that she's listening, and I'm trying not to offend her. Well, Amy, girl, I have notes. So listen up. Get a pencil and a piece of paper, because I got some, a couple pieces, because I got some things to say. So she's, like, super intense. Yeah. She's been through a lot. Only because of her job. You know what I mean? Like, she's been through a lot her because job of her that job. that I'm sure she could have left at any time in those 10 yeah. years. Be a barista. Do something else. But she's is so defensive of, of the Cecil because yeah. she's so like in love with it and I do think how like Sarah Edmondson loves being the girl from the cult Amy loves being connected to the Cecil as horrifying as it all is she kind of loves like oh I was the general manager of that place she loves it I will say though I don't get Sarah Edmondson vibes from her because I think she thought long and hard about doing this interview and she kind of says as much like I don't think that she wants to be publicly associated but I do believe that at every cocktail party she goes to it's the first thing she tells people yeah I don't think they're similar in any other way other than one of them is showing a brand and the other's like uh, yeah I was the general manager you know Lisa Lamb I was there I was the Cecil like that's her vibe I was there and I made a series of very bad decisions that and then said them in the worst way possible she's like it was like my kingdom my boss said it was a zoo she's like bright eyed bushy tails she just loves it so detectives tell us that Elisa checked in on January 28th 2013 she was gonna be there for four nights she was staying in room 506 which was a female bunk room and we are gonna learn this isn't like a regular hotel you guys it's a hostel. So like a lot of these rooms are shared and shared with strangers and then I said and then the the most horrifying words in this entire documentary I know exactly. come out of somebody. Can, may I? <laughs> yeah please. Is, is the quote community toilets and showers were down the hall? Yeah. Yes! Fuck no. Yes! Fuck no. So here's one of the many times where Amy contradicts herself because and, and also lies. She's like young travelers are on a budget. They just want a clean place to stay. Amy, this place was not clean, and we will get to it down the road. Amy, just be honest with me. Just say, like, look, I didn't know what I was doing, and I I just was sort of winging it, and, like, everything sort of fell apart. But don't look at me and act like there are clean sheets on those beds, and there's not bed bugs, and that everything's clean. Don't do that, Amy. I know. Amy really believed in the vision, we'll get there. We will get there. Because by the time Elisa checks in, the part of the hotel that she was staying in was called Stay on Main. It was meant to be a different thing, and Amy really believed in it. We will get there. Which is another issue I have. So call the Better Business Bureau <laughs> on my behalf. Unbelievable. 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 You guys, you guys, you got her real worked up. Thanks. 
Thanks, everyone. I told you for the minute this thing came out, I was like, I'm going to hate it. And then I watched it and I hated it. And then I've been saying we're going to do it in May, we're May 26th. And I was like, I'm going to hate it the whole time. I said it on the Instagram live yesterday. You pressed play knowing full well what you're getting yourself into. I got to tell you, when I saw it on the schedule that we were actually doing it, I was a little surprised. I was like, I'll do it, Steve. But you're gonna My, get a you're gonna get this version of me, <laughs> which is everybody's favorite. So it works just fine. So the police say Elisa was supposed to check out on February first, which was also the day that she was reported missing. The investigators went to her room to search for potential evidence, but they learned that the hotel staff removed all her personal belongings. And they realized the hotel has like removed all of her belongings and bagged them up. That is totally normal protocol. Like that's what any hotel would do. They got to turn that room. She was she was supposed to check out that day. She didn't. Okay. They're going to hold her shit for her for 30 days. And you know, like nobody knew it was a crime scene. So they did the right thing. And it's not like they threw it away. They saved it, you know. Sure, for 30 days. That's protocol. For 30 days. <laughs> so what Elisa left behind was a laptop, prescription drugs, her wallet, her clothes, and her passport. Like that's everything. Like where would would she possibly be without her wallet and her passport? Right. And also, the, what, prescription drugs. She was on prescriptions, and so she took her prescriptions yes, yes. with her. When you said right. prescription drugs, it sounded, no. yeah. It wasn't like she went to, like, a fancy pill party and, like, grabbed a handful. No. But that, that's important to note that she left her prescriptions there. Yeah. So her room was messy, but there was no foul play, no forced entry, no drugs or weapons of any kind. And then we just take a hard left turn. Are you ready to go to Plymouth, the United Kingdom? I'm very excited. It is pouring rain. Uh, it looks freezing cold. Ah, uh, a dream. I know. <laughs> we meet Mike and Sabina Bow, and I love I love them. You hate them, I think. No, I have. They're a lovely couple from the UK in my notes. I have just a lot of questions for them. So they say like... My husband, Mike, and I, we always wanted to go and visit America, especially Los Angeles. A bit of sunshine. Travel away from rainy, miserable England. <laughs> Actually. One day Mike said, why don't we go to LA? And I said, yeah, sure, let's go. They wanted sunshine and not rainy, miserable England. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here. It's 90 <laughs> degrees in New York on May 26th. And I'm like, uh, England, please. I know, I know. I literally wrote, this sounds perfect for you. I honestly cannot believe you haven't relocated there yet. Well, we'll see. <laughs> But wait, I gotta tell you, the first time I watched this documentary and just knowing the Elisa Lamb story, as, and I'd never heard of these two people, yes. but as soon as I saw them, I knew exactly why they were here. I completely agree. It made me very sad for all involved because they are very cute. And you can tell that they were looking for like a vacation or what they call it, holiday. They were looking for an holiday. Look at you dropping your H's. You've watched My Fair Lady many a time. <laughs> and they were on a budget. They were looking for something cheap. And what they do... I do not agree with this practice, travel websites, where you book a stay and you tell them how much you want to pay and they find you a hotel oh. at that price range, mm -hmm. but they don't tell you the name of the hotel. That's you horrifying. have to book a non-fucking refundable trip before you get the information about the hotel. I don't I don't agree with it, and this documentary is fucking why. But that's how they get you. Yeah. I think that's like Priceline.com. Like that's their fault. Yeah. Because they yeah. want oh, they yeah. just want yes. the money and they're just like, we don't care where these where Mike and Sabina stay. And I'm like, well, I care right. about Mike and Sabina. Yeah, because if they said it was the fucking Cecil Hotel. Mike and Sabina would Google that shit and they wouldn't have gone there. But you know what? They didn't have the opportunity. So off they go to sunny Southern California. They're staying at the Cecil for two weeks. And like they get there and they're so excited. If you could see these like sweet people, they're so cute. I'm super into him. Like I definitely want to snuggle and make out with him. I know. I can tell. Sabina and I'll <laughs> go hang out because I mean stories for days. So they show up to the Cecil. The outside looked really nice. And we saw their sign that said the Cecil Hotel. We walked into the lobby and we were like, wow. It looked really beautiful, grand. Very big, very spacious with big pillars. Like the lobby's beautiful. It's really big and spacious. There are big pillars yeah. and everyone knows pillars always equal fancy. And so <laughs> they're like, yeah, but it, that only lasts in the lobby. So remember how Amy was like, everyone just wanted a safe, clean place to stay. No, Mike and yeah. Sabina are here to tell us the room was filthy. The carpet was almost sticky. He's like, you could hear your feet yeah. when you walk on the carpet. It's like kr kr that horrible yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're thinking, they're like, look, it's there are bed bugs ever, like whatever. It's filthy, but they think 
think, you know, we got what we paid for. All we have to do is like shower and sleep here. And I'm like, are you kidding? The two last things I want to do in a shitty room crawling with bedbugs and a sticky carpet is sleep and shower. I know. I was like, they do the most unpatrick-like thing ever and decide to just be positive about it. Oh. Girl, do I possess the ability if I don't like something to be positive about it? No. And you know, Mike Mike has told me that I have a very low threshold for discomfort. Yeah. You know, me too. That's why I could never go on Survivor and believe me, I want to. Oh, God. It'll be like Survivor, I don't know, Privileged Edition, and you'd be there. <laughs> this caviar is a little warm. Oh, is this champagne, what was it chilled at? Oh, okay. What? No, and I, I and I will not take ice. I will not take no. ice. <laughs> I said almond milk in my latte. Almond milk. And then, like, Amy's back again. They just wanted a clean room at a good price. Amy! I know. So we're jumping around a lot here. So, like, that's we. Yeah. That's that's the Mike and Sabina story for now. We will get back to them. For, that That is not the Mike and Sabina story. For, and that's why I said that for is, now. <laughs> that is not why I knew immediately why these poor foreigners were here. I know. At the minute I saw them, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, It's going to be them. It's going to be them. That's a one zillion percent. And, like, I love that we don't watch things together. It's an impossible idea that we would watch things together. But this is the only moment, the first moment in all these years of doing this where I'm like, I would have loved to be like, that's that, like, elbowing you. I know, I know. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. This is horrible. And also, when we get to the moment, Sabina says it about 800 times. It's really, it's whatever you're thinking it is. It's, it's exactly that. And I honestly couldn't believe how long it took them to get there. Anyway. I know. These are these I, are the most pa- the two most patient people I've ever encountered in my life. I know. I know. So we are we're jumping around a lot. We meet a bunch of different people, but like the next important thing that happens is we're back with Detective Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yep. And he's telling us that like we spoke to the employees that worked the late shift on the night of her disappearance. And they said that they had seen Elisa in an area that no guests were allowed in. So they actually asked her to leave and she walked towards the bank of the elevators. But that was the last time that anybody saw her. And so now we're learning more about Elisa, finally, because we should be talking about her. So she's first generation Chinese. She's from Hong Kong. Her parents own a Chinese restaurant. She was a student at the University of British Columbia. She loved Tumblr, treated it like a diary. And the cops (laughs) were using her Tumblr page to trace her steps. So that's how they know specific places and things that she did. So she got to L.A. on January 28th. She was being a typical tourist. She went to a taping of a television show. I'm just saying, are we going to get more information about this eventually? Because they do come back to this and I'm like, wait a second. They don't tell us what show. They don't give us any information here. Do you want me to tell you now? Because we, we do get into it later, but I can tell you what show it was. I'm, I texted you earlier. I'm like, please tell me that you found more information on this and you were offended that I had to ask. I was like, girl. What are you, crazy? Um, yeah, tell me. She went to see Conan, the Conan O'Brien show. Oh. And we'll get into what happened later. It's kind of it's kind of a thing. <laughs> she didn't get to actually see Conan. We'll get into it later. And it's like everybody failed her. Yeah. No one yes. looked at this girl and said, hi. No one like made, uh, no one asked her a single question and I'm enraged about it. So Yeah, I'm enraged too and I am also not surprised. Like I'm going to come down not on the side you're going to think I'm going to come down on that, I think. Okay. Oh. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Because I think Amy, when Amy tells her piece, I think she's exactly right. Let's 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 get there when we get there. <laughs> Just I, I've been there. I've totally been there. Anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, so now, so now it's like we hear a couple of disgusting things. There is no Elisa Lamb story without the context of the Cecil Hotel. The fact that it happened at the Cecil, that Elisa Lamb disappeared at the Cecil Hotel, makes it sort of a, a historic mystery and Cecil is as much a character as Elisa is. Cecil is as much of a character as Elisa is. And I'm like, no, well, Elisa is a human being who is no longer with us. And the Cecil yes. Hotel is a fucking building. Yes. Right. Now, listen, I I understand where you're coming from with that. If this had been one standalone 90 minute documentary, I would have been like, this should all be about Elisa. Yeah. Because like there, everyone is saying everything wrong. It's, it's not that the Cecil is as much a part of the story. It's just that the Cecil has a really fucking interesting history. Yeah. And like somebody just needed to say it that way. That like the reason this documentary got made was because of 
Elisa Lam's story is so tragic and also so terrifying, but also because it happened at a place that has like a really crazy history. Right, and that like tragic and horrifying things happen at the Cecil kind of all the time. And I want to, I just want to say to people involved in making these documentaries, no one's going to turn it off if you say it the less awful way. Like we're still going to want to watch it if you're like, the Cecil Hotel history was interesting. You don't have to also say, the Cecil Hotel was so evil that Elisa Lam and it are intertwined. Like, no, I, everyone still wants to know the history of the hotel. You know what I mean? Yeah, and don't try to compare a building to a human being who tragically died. Totally. Like, we can, yes, we yes. can have it all. You know, we can really mm-hmm. have it all. You can be honest with yes. us. And there are no spoilers here. This is a true crime story. This is a real right, thing right. that happened to a real person. <laughs> so just be honest and consistent. And that yeah. that's going to get you a lot with me. So the thing is, Amy, the hotel manager, says... The story of the Cecil, it's a story of adventure. It's a story of things you just can't predict. The story of the Cecil is adventure. And I was like, Amy, that's not exactly... Amy, why are you here? If if I met you out of, in the, out of the clear blue sky and we were just two yeah. gals hanging out and you were like, I used to work at the Cecil and it's that it, actually the whole history is a story of adventure. Yeah. But if you're here to sit down and talk about Elisa Lamb, which you tell us later is exactly why you wanted to sit yeah. down for this, you can't get into like, like her eye, you could see the glitter and the sparkle in her eyes. She's like, oh, she has good you know, bones. She ha- She's talking about the hotel. She has good bones. Ooh, she was built right. Mm. She's like, it's like sexual. Amy. I know. Have you ever considered that maybe Amy has that disease where you fall in love with a building? You know, like the people who fall in love with the Eiffel Tower. By F3, I'm like, she's going to be on that stupid show on whatever, on TLC, where it's like my weird addiction or whatever it's called. Like my weird sexual thing. And it's going to be, I'm, I like want to do the Cecil Hotel and it's going to be Amy. I feel like Amy worked really hard. And I feel like without Amy, who knows what other shit might have gone down there. I mean, if Amy's the one holding it all together, we're in, we're in bad shape. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So I speaking of bad shape, here's the, we got to talk about Skid Row a little bit in LA. Yeah. So Dr. Doug is here to, he's a Skid Row historian. Which is totally fucking fascinating. Like, Like Skid Row in LA should and probably does have its own documentary. Yeah, it should. And it should also like be dealt with and Dr. Doug is here to say as much so if for just a little bit of context if you don't know what Skid Row is and by the way Skid Row is right where the Cecil Hotel is in case we haven't made that clear that's why we're talking about Skid Row right so Dr. Doug explains Skid Row is a 56 block area in downtown Los Angeles it's one of the poorest areas in the entire world and it's existed for over a hundred years currently about 8,000 to 10,000 homeless individuals live on Skid Row. It's sad because even someone says like no one was born on Skid Row. They just sort of like the city kind of throws them there and just it's yeah. it's a sad, it's a really sad situation. And the thing about Skid Row is that if you're homeless in LA, that's where all the services for homeless people are. Right. So you have to go there to get services. And also there's a policy of containment. So there's a literal actual barrier around Skid Row meant to keep in the homeless people and the people suffering from addiction and the people with mental, like we get a whole bit about how like they take people from mental health facilities and dump them there. They take people from prison and dump them there and then they can't leave. They're literally not allowed to leave. Yeah, there's like barricades. It's super fucked up. And Dr. Doug says this is a space where people are just allowed to suffer. And so like we need to address Skid Row like that needs to be dealt with like people in power. We got to deal with it. But the reason we're talking about it now is because the cops and everyone's trying to say like maybe Elisa Lam could have easily become a victim of what's happening on Skid Row because it's so close to the Cecil. And because from her Tumblr blogs, she says a million times she was going to go out. She was open to meeting people. Like, Elisa Lam like also didn't know she was going to be staying in this really like you know not super safe area and like we're going to learn that she was like suffering a mental health crisis like she was very vulnerable in a very dangerous place and she had no idea and so they're saying like it's very possible that someone could have followed her into the hotel or something could have happened to her on the street but this is where they're saying well now we have to find out if the hotel has security footage and does it 
ever. It does. So there's this very famous, infamous, sad, horrifying footage of Elisa Lamb. But yeah. not all floors of the Cecil have video cameras. And right. my question is, raising my hand in the yeah. back, you'd think a place so notoriously scary and unpredictable, someone, someone yeah. would want there to be security cameras fucking everywhere. And there aren't. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And so there's not a security camera on the floor where she's staying. But there, are, there is obviously a security camera in the elevator. And- so the cops get all of the security camera footage. There's hundreds of hours to review. And that, you know, our guy, Detective Marsha, is like, So now it's kind of the needle in a haystack of how we can identify her. There was a lot of video footage to review. Days worth. Hundreds of hours. And all of a sudden, we see her on camera. All of a sudden, there she is. And both of these queens jump out of the... Ah! Like... Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, oh my God. And, and it's true. Like, we, and we've seen, we've heard that. Remember in Longshot, too? They were looking for the guy yeah, in, in, yes, at, yes. at the stadium. And when you find, because yeah. you think it, everything, like the, the minutes turn into hours, they turn into days. And yeah, then when yeah, you yeah, see yeah, it, yeah. you're like, oh my God. But before we get into the, the footage, I just want to say, like, so, you know, Amy's talking about how the cops were getting, you know, three times a day she was calling the cops. There were assaults, there were stabbings, there were suicides, there were sex offenders living, living at the Cecil because they can't live anywhere else. Because nobody asked. Yeah. any questions at the Cecil and like that's showbiz baby like that's how it all works right. down there <laughs> and like Amy's like oh oh there was that day oh you're gonna love this there was a circumstance where I was given a tour and there was a sniper in the in the hallway like a real police sniper with a freaking a big gun the guy looks at me and he's like, ma'am, get in your room, get in your room. There's a person that's just stabbed somebody and they're loose inside the building. Amy, how are you just running into a cop with a sniper rifle? You're the general manager of this place. And then people I were know. being spied on <laughs> in the bathrooms. And I'm sitting here screaming, Amy, what the fuck was your job? And so I Googled. I was like, enough. So I was like, what does a general manager of a hotel do? I Googled. A general ma a hotel general managers oversee and coordinate all the activities involved in running a hotel or any other lodging facility. It is their responsibility to ensure that all members of the staff are properly organized and that every part of the hotel <laughs> runs according to the pre-established quality standard of service. Amy is here to tell us I knew I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't know. So I'm I'm wondering what Amy did every day when she went into work is my question. <laughs> So it's been a week since the disappearance and the cops are having like no luck finding her. And remember, we've already gone over that there was surveillance video. They saw her in the elevator. When they when the cops decide they need the help of the public, they release you guys. This was like the worst idea the, the cops worst. ever had. It's like never a good idea to just be like, hey, public, help us. But this is this is this is the prime example of like why it's not the best idea no. to ask the public for help. We need the public's help to put more eyes out on the street. The last footage that we had of Elisa before her disappearance was the footage we found of her inside the elevator. So it was decided that we would release the video. And I just want to know there was one gay junior officer that was like, um, oh, Sarge, I don't know if this is going to go how you think it's going to go, girl. They're like, shut up, Rick, we're doing it. And Rick's like, okay. Uh -uh. No one apologized to Rick. She was right. No. No. So we meet this guy. He's like a YouTuber. And he became a YouTuber because of this Elisa Lam video. So he sees the Elisa Lam video on the LAPD website. It's four minutes long. And he's like, so much is happening. And, and they break it down. You've all seen this video a million times. So Elisa walks into the elevator. She presses a whole yeah. row of floors. all the, the center row of buttons, she hits all of them. And then she moves to the corner of the elevator. And she looks kind of relaxed. And she's not like yeah. in, in a panic just yet. And the door is not closing. She pokes her head out and whips her head both ways. And then she's retreating back and is tucked away into the corner. She kept looking outside the door, looking around the corner to her right. And then she takes a step out of the elevator into the hallway and she makes this kind of like, they call it a square dance step where she's kind of doing like an interesting move with her feet. And she keeps going yeah. in and out of the elevator. And then when she's in the hallway, she's out of frame. We can't see her. But we know that she's there because we can like see her arm. But the door is open and it's not moving. And everyone is like, why is this not closing? Why is the door not closing? And I mean, I w it took me watching this to be like, oh my God, the fucking door isn't closing. It's, it's just there. And everyone is saying like, 
is someone out there pressing a button, holding it open. And they're like, and this is where the weird shit really starts to happen. And what they mean by that is like, now she's really acting strange. Like she's back in the elevator. She starts pressing buttons again. Her hand movements are very like strange and erratic. She's waving her hands around. She's twisting and turning. She starts like counting on her fingers. And then like she exits the elevator and we don't see her again. And they're like, you would think that would have been the end of what the police would have shown us. No, Mm -hmm. she exits the frame at two minutes and 30 seconds, but the video is four minutes long. And it's just the elevator door eventually closing and opening and closing and opening. And that goes on for a minute and a half. And it's like, why did the police want them to see that? Everyone is me. They're like, why? Like, is there a missing clue in here that I'm not seeing? Or is there something supernatural happening here? Of course that you see that. And it's like, yeah, what the fuck? It's really scary to watch. And it's it's sad, too, because you're like, what is what is going on with her? What is she looking for? What is she scared of? What's going on? And so, of course, like all these YouTubers are like, is it supernatural? I'm like, no, dummies. It's not. She just pressed all <laughs> well, the floors. The thing about this that I just thought was so ridiculous was like the police were just hoping that somebody would like recognize her and like call in with a tip. <laughs> That's all. All they wanted is someone to be like, I know her. Actually, she came into my bookstore a hundred percent. Little did they, and and they are shocked that they're like, oh, we released it on the internet and the internet people went crazy. And I'm like, yeah, they did. And that's how F1 ends, basically. Oh my God. With Rick being like, I fucking told you so, bitch. I know. And Rick is now moved on. Rick is a sergeant somewhere. (laughs) So episode two, I forgot to write down the titles. What is episode two called? Secrets of the Cecil. (laughs) Say it again. Secrets of the Cecil. And Amy's here (laughs) to tell us what an amazing job she did managing the Cecil Hotel. Well, I said it opens with Amy and she's a little defensive, you guys. And this is where I'm like, she really thought about whether or not she was going to do this. But the reason she decided to, she says, is because she can't live with the idea that people People are like, who runs the Cecil Hotel? Well, unfortunately, a lot of them were thinking there's some crazy, creepy person behind the scenes that just doesn't care and is running just this hotel where all these bad things happen and it's not true. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do the interview because I want the world to see that who was actually really running, really cared about the hotel and was running it properly, you know? But I wanted people to know that it was the manager who like really cared and was running the place properly. Although not according to Jillian Pensavalli. Or Mike and Sabina (laughs) or any of the women who were spied on in the bathrooms. Like Amy, (laughs) again, just be consistent. It's all I ask. It's really all I ask. Just be honest with me and be consistent. I just at the end of that, I went, okay, Amy. Oh my God. Amy. Uh, so Elise has been missing for two weeks and that YouTuber who was like, I just wanted content and I found the Elisa Lamb video. It's like, that's really gross. But basically the video goes crazy viral. And now it's like, let's meet the web sleuths. They obsess over the video. And because Elisa was so prolific on Tumblr, they are now cross-referencing yeah. what they find in the video with her public Tumblr posts and social media. They describe it as a feeding frenzy for the web sleuth community. Are you guys really a community? No. (laughs) No. This episode really jumps around a lot. So we like, we touch on the web sleuths a little bit. And then we're with like Kim Cooper, who's an LA historian. And because the cops are like, they just jump to drugs. She appears to be stable on her feet. You know, it doesn't appear that she's drunk. You know, she's not swaying or stumbling or anything like that. But when you look at her hand movements, it's almost like maybe she's reaching out to touch something that isn't there. You do have to consider that she could be on LSD or something mind altering. She's got to be on something mind altering because, you know, drugs are all over Skid Row and the Cecil itself. And no one is thinking, wow, this is a young woman in the throes of a mental health crisis. That is not on anyone's radar. They're just assuming that she's on drugs. Or that, like, if she wasn't on drugs, that some, like, she met with a really crazy, like, terrible end. And in all honesty, that's how these things usually end. Like, I don't blame anybody in the beginning for not immediately jumping to mental health. Because mm-hmm. I feel like as sad and fucking awful as it is, like, a young foreign woman coming to, like, a strange country and being in a bad neighborhood and getting murdered 
weird is like weirdly not that uncommon, you know? Well, and and that's why they keep mentioning Skid Row and th- that it is a dangerous area, but it's like not the supernatural power that the Cecil has either, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So the investigators go back to the hotel and this is where we start to get a little bit about the mental health stuff because they learn that when she checked in, as we said, she, she, she was sharing a room with some other girls that she didn't know and they eventually began to complain about her and they had to move Elisa to a single room. And so, like, that's just, like, the sprinkling of, like, wait a second, what's going on here, right? Right. So now we get a little bit more of the backstory of the hotel. Throughout its history, the Hotel Cecil has always had a dark persona. The details are are haunting. It's always been a hotbed for death. It's always been a hotbed for death. And I'm like, fun! Guys, no! (laughs) Not cool! (laughs) But this is where we get into Richard Ramirez, you guys, the fucking Night Stalker. And if you want to hear our complete coverage of Night Stalker, go find it on on the Patreon. I gotta tell you, it's like one of the most interesting documentaries we've ever covered. But Richard Ramirez lived on the fourth floor. He paid $14 a night for his room. By the time he was living there, he was in the process of killing 14 people. And like, the entire community of California was in like complete chaos and lived right. in like utter fear. But the thing they really want us to know is like how he lived at the Cecil Hotel. Bear in mind, Jillian Pensavalli, this was before Amy was the general manager. I'm aware. I know dates. I know she's not like yeah. responsible for Ramirez. The only person yes. who's responsible is the serial killer. Enough. I That yes. I get. But like they talk about how like during like the height of his crime spree. He would be in the back alley covered in blood taking off his clothing. And he would walk in his blood-stained underwear, barefoot, up to his floor and into his room, repeatedly. And that's cool. And no one's got a problem with that because it's that kind of heavy place. And everyone's like, again, that's showbiz. It's super cool because it's the Cecil and that's what happens. <laughs> and also, like, Richard Ramirez is so fucking terrifying looking. Imagine a guy who has that face and that evil and black-eyed soul and those teeth. Imagine that guy walking through a hotel lobby covered in blood in his underwear. Like, that is inexcusable to me. Who was, a, who was the Amy of the 1980s? I'd like to know. There's part of me that's like, that can't be real, right? Like, like, there's no way that that story is real. It's good for the sake of the story, covered in blood in his underwear. No one gave a shit. It's yeah. like, then how do we know? Then who told? Who squealed, right? But then on the other hand, it's like, well, if it happened, that's showbiz, kid. That's showbiz, baby. Like, there he is, some fucking murderer walking around. And so then we get this whole, it's like 25 minutes of all the shitty stuff that happened. And then it cuts to Amy and she's real upset about the bad Yelp reviews, y'all. She's like, I was on Yelp yesterday before I came. And there was a review that said it was like one star and it said the Cecil was where dreams go to die and I'm like really wow one of the reviews once was like the Cecil hotels a place where dreams go to die and I'm just like really wow I mean come on I think it's fair Amy, you've told us 45 times how terrifying it was. There were snakes and snipers and stabbings, and now suddenly it's unfair to accurately describe that the Cecil was unsafe? Be honest with yourself and be honest with me. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. It was probably written by Mike and Sabina, who were like, you know what? On second thought, I am going to write that Yelp review. And if you don't know this story, you don't even know the worst of it with Mike and Sabina. So Amy's like, I can't believe that people are saying the super unsafe place is unsafe. And then the best editing, because she's like, that was when we invented Stay On Main. Uh, you know what? I gotta tell you, I think this part of the story is really fascinating. And we'll go through it quickly, but like the owners of the hotel, they were renovating the whole thing. They wanted to kick out the people who were there. That I don't agree with that. Obviously, like you don't displace already like people that are down on their luck. But they realized that this hotel was zoned so that it like most of it had to be like residential, basically. Right. So what they decide to do, Amy and the owners, they pick three floors that they're gonna rebrand as this hotel stay on main. And then there's gonna be like two floors for the residents, and then like the rest of the floors are going to be called the quote Cecil Hotel or whatever. And they really fixed the place up. Like Amy is totally like, I could totally see the vision when she said that. I was like, oh God, Amy, you really are a dreamer girl, aren't you? But again, in the same breath, she calls it a band-aid. Amy, <laughs> what was it? She's like, they didn't have a lot of money. So it was a lot of cosmetic upgrades. Everyone is in bright orange. All of a sudden it really does feel a little bit like a cult. But she was like, the Stay On Main staff was dressed differently. Everything about Stay On 
timing was different, but the one thing. The reason why we were able to succeed was because the stay on Main was a different property altogether, with one exception. You know, the, the common elevators. They're accessible to anybody, but you couldn't avoid that. The Stay on Main guests had to share the elevator with the Cecil Hotel residents and the and the guests of the quote Cecil Hotel or whatever. That makes it the same place. Am I crazy? <laughs> like I'm being gaslit by her. That means okay, so the quote tenants were floors yeah. two and three, and then the hip and happening uh-huh. youth hostel was Stay on Main right. and floors four, five, and six. But the elevators went to every fucking floor. It's the same right. place, Amy. I'm so sorry. I mean, I know you can program elevators to only go to certain floors. Why couldn't you? There's two elevators there. Why couldn't one of them be the Stay on Main elevator and the other one would be the other elevator? Why? Because we're finally back to Elisa Lam, right? And like, yeah, Elisa yeah. thought she was staying at stay on main it's it's cool branding it's like her demographic but they tricked her and that's what they wanted they didn't say like on their websites or their branding that it's like the stay on main at the cecil they didn't say that they tried to make it look like it's a completely different place on the other side of town no it's part of the cecil and they thought like well we'll get the money from the young travelers and the tourists or whatever they tricked her and that's what they wanted and that's why elisa lamb went there and that's what i think but it's also like mike and sabina got tricked too like remember they didn't even know the name of the place they were staying yeah. when they booked their stay like exactly. on one hand i i feel for the hotel owners like jillian's rubbing jillian's had it with me you guys <laughs> but my question like i am never gonna i yeah. love hotels look at I how red so my face is do you see this <laughs> it's also 90 degrees outside but I'm, I'm never i love hotels i want to stay in them i want to give you all my money right but i'm not gonna ever yeah. work there but uh-huh. you can't keep <laughs> acting like this is all happening to you if you own the joint and you manage the joint you gotta fix it you can't be like yeah. i was there for 10 years and god knows <laughs> then like what'd you do all day from nine to five what'd you do it's like i'm so confused about like what like, like, what, like where am i what's going on it's so funny because your version of events makes so much sense to you and mine makes so much sense to me. This is like the farthest apart we've ever been. Are we missing? Are we ships in the night? Are we totally missing? Is it not? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, because I feel like I get it. Like they're doing the best they can with the three floors that they have and the orange uniforms and the elevators. Then fix the elevator. You told you told me that that could happen. I know. I know. God. All right, so wait. So quickly, we're back to the elevator footage, right? And we're back with the fucking web sleuths who are, like, really trying to, like, find any way into a conspiracy theory. Right. And they're they're all saying that, like, the timestamps on the video are very unclear. And it's true. You can't really read the timestamps. The timestamp looks muddled in a way where it's really hard to make any sense out of the actual characters. But it's also hard to understand how it got damaged in that way, like it's been intentionally knocked out. And they're saying that, like, if you really watch the video, there's a part where it jumps, and they can tell that it jumps because the elevator door all of a sudden is halfway closed. And they're like, there's a a missing 53 seconds. And I gotta say, the fact that the cops would put a video out like that and not think that people would find that out. I know. Of course it's gonna make people think that you're fucking hiding shit, you know? Is it stupid to think that? Yes. But are people gonna think that? Yes. Yes. Yeah, like, like... Like, no one is making any sense. I feel crazy. (laughs) But, you know, look, that is nothing, nothing compared to our friends Mike and Sabina. So, our British tourists. Oh, my God. So, they're back. And five nights into their two-week stay. You guys. The water pressure was really low. There was almost, like, no water pressure at all. And then, on top of that, the water is really dark brown. Oh, God, you guys. If you know anything about this story, you know it's them. You know what happens. You know what they did. You know what they did? And Sabina's like, yeah, we saw the water was brown, but we still made the following decisions. We were brushing our teeth using that water. We were showering in that water. Uh, We did um, drink the water, but it did have a funny taste to it. It had a funny taste, but we were just, you know, the water was off from day one, but on day five, it really got bad. (laughs) Brown water, I'm not brushing my teeth with that shit. Are you crazy? So Amy's solution, which which is her go-to, is to just move them to a different room. Maybe they'll shut up about it. So they keep calling downstairs and they're like, hey, great job. We're on a different floor, but the water's still brown. Like, is there anything you can do about it? Sabina's like, guard with it in the background she's like still tastes funny it's a little off but
but yeah, she's brushing her teeth. And so the receptionist is like, yeah, oh, this is so annoying. But like, I guess we'll call the maintenance guy. Like if, if, if brown water is really an issue for you really high maintenance people, I guess we'll call somebody. So the maintenance man, Santiago, who's with us, he goes up to check the water tank. And like, you guys know what happens. He looked in and he sees Elisa Lam and she's floating there. He says like a ghost. <sighs> this poor guy, this poor guy. This poor guy. He knew right away it was the, the woman everybody was looking for. So he goes down and tells Amy. And, like, Amy, she tells, like, Amy tells this story herself, you guys. And she's just, like, she, like, doesn't panic. She doesn't scream. She doesn't think, like, oh, thank God, at least now we have an answer. She thinks, hmm, I'm going to call my mom. Before calling the police, I, I did call my mother and let her know that, you know, that something bad had happened and to get ready. Elisa Lamb's been missing for 19 days. The water's been brown for like 14 of them. Someone finally makes a decision, sends poor Santiago up there. He sees what he sees. And Amy's like, hey, Ma. She's like, get ready. Something bad's going to happen again. I mean, Amy Amy must make that call to her mother every day. Her mom's probably like, Amy, text me. I don't have time. Another murder, another snake in the tub. Showbiz, baby, at the Cecil. Oh, my God. So when Amy finally gets around to calling the cops, the cops are there. There's hundreds of cops on the roof, they say. We see a picture. It's like 15. It's as though I'm narrating this thing. Yes. They get the body. The body was in a severe state of decomposition. She was naked. Her clothes had floated to the bottom of the tank. We see Mike and Sabina again, you guys. Sabina, like, literally pulls a reporter aside to tell the world that she brushed her teeth and drank and bathed in the in the brown waters. Sabina! It tasted horrible. It had a very funny, sweety, disgusting taste. It's very, very strange taste. I can't barely describe it. It's horrible taste. I can't believe she wants everyone to know that that's what happened. I, like, I, know, I would be more I like, I, I just, I don't know how I you know. would even, like, I, it makes me want to, like, rip off my skin just thinking about it. And then Amy's like, um, you think Mike and Sabina are traumatized for drinking that water with a contaminated dead body? Well, I had to work there. <laughs> it was so scary every day. But at the same breath, it was really not that bad. Everyone's really overreacting. Amy, again, consistency is key. That's what I'm looking for. Consistency. Why can't you just be cool, Mike and Sabina? Just everyone, just calm down. (laughs) It's the Cecil, okay? It's got a reputation, and the reputation is this, and I'm Amy. And I gotta tell you, it like the episode ends with this guy from Facebook, which we're gonna get more into in the next episode. I hate him. This is where you're like, oh God, these web sleuth people have a problem. Yeah, they do. Elisa was someone who I'd never met. Why do I feel like I've just lost a friend, a sister, someone that I genuinely care about. All these web sleuth people thought they were going to find her alive. And they're really invested in her. And like, that's great. Like, that's like, good. Hope that she's alive. But you don't actually know her. She's not actually your friend. And like, go outside. I have this note, like in all over my notes. Go outside and experience the beautiful warm day, you guys. And if you're saying that, oof, you know it's bad. <laughs> oof, Maron, it's bad. If you're like, go to, go to the outside. So it ends with like, the web sleuth community is determined to investigate what happened. They are going to get to the bottom of this and Jillian's gonna have a lot of feelings about it. I hate him. Oh, I hate him. Spoiler, I'm not happy. You guys, just a reminder, episode two is available right now and ad-free at the $5 level. If you just got to hear our resolution to this whole situation, which who could blame you, go and find it on the Patreon. Um, Girl, thanks for going on this journey with me. Look, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for going on this journey with me, I should say. This is this is a big role reversal. I'm, I yeah. hate it. I'm in my feelings about yeah. it. Well, I'm always in my feelings, but, you know, this is a little different. After the couple weeks we've had... Real, real right reversal here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys, we love you. There's no what's coming up next because what's coming up next is part two of this. Yeah. So stay tuned for our um, hilarious outtakes. I'm sure they are bananas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we love you guys. We love you. Thanks so much. And we'll see you soon. All right, bye. Bye. Amy's like, look at this piece of glitter I have. She wants to talk about all the zany stuff people leave behind. She's like, we found a snake in a bathtub once. And I'm like, Amy, we got to focus. We got to focus. Do I want to know the story of the snake in the bathtub? Of course I do. I'm not a monster. Sabina's ready to tell the world that she drank this water. I think Mike's kind of like, must we? 
We told her, we just sent a postcard two days ago saying like, having fun, like greetings from LA. Everything's going great. Now we're on the news telling this horrifying story. And Amy's like, what's the problem? What's the big deal? Lighten up. It's the fucking Cecil. Deal with it. I will say, I made this note later. I don't think she googed the place before she accepted the offer. Goog <laughs> everything all the time. That's my advice. Especially if you're like, I'm going to move anyway. Well, just goog. Yeah, just goog. Oh my God, it'll save your life and maybe the life of others. Shared bathroom. Shared bathroom? I barely like sharing a bathroom with my husband. Same. <laughs> I think that if the Cecil Hotel ever reopens, you should run that You know what I would do? Place. I'd burn it down. I'd say it's not worth it. Let's start over. I don't want it. <laughs>